I like to think of it as a project manager for a book because it can contain both the writing and then all of the supporting materials. And you can break it up in the binder, color code it, tag it, label it, add notes. You know, there's so much you can do that takes it beyond the realm of just a place where you write on a piece of paper. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing, with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, welcome to the show. This is where we talk about growing our life story business. Clients come to us because they want to record their stories and their memories to share with their family and friends and with future generations, and they need our help. They need our help to write that book or make that audio or video. Today, we're going to talk to Gwen Hernandez, the author of Scrivener for Dummies. I've talked about this writing software before because basically I love it and I use it for all of my life story books. Um, I know I sound like a walking advertisement for it, but it's really just because I am eager to share something that has helped me so much. I did a podcast on it, a two-part podcast episode on how I specifically use Scrivener when I'm creating life storybooks. And with those audio podcasts, which were episode 40 and 41, I also did screencasts. So if you want to take a look in today's show notes or, or go back to the website, thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 40 and 41, you can actually click on a video and you'll see my screen as I walk through how I use Scrivener when I am doing my work. I've also since then heard from a number of you who are thinking about Scrivener, so I've decided to run a contest to give away a free copy of it. Here's what you have to do. Go over to iTunes, which maybe you're already on iTunes. Go to iTunes, leave a review of the podcast, then shoot me an email with something in the subject line like, I reviewed the show. Now, the reviews are anonymous, and there's no need to tell me what you wrote. I'm using the honor system here. If you tell me that you wrote a review, I will believe you. You don't even need to write anything in the body of the email. Just in the subject line, put something like, I reviewed the show. Then I'll put your name in a hat for a drawing for Scrivener, and it will be good for either the Mac version or the PC version, whichever computer the winner uses. The last point of business is that I am happy to announce that the Directory for Life Story Professionals is up and running. Thank you to everyone who sent in your listing. If you're working in the life story business in any capacity as a volunteer, whether you're part-time, whether you're full-time, if you do books or videos or audios or something else crazy creative, some way of helping clients record their stories, you are welcome to join the directory. There's no charge for it. It's just something that I'm doing as a way to help clients find us. So you can find a link to get that going in today's show notes. Also, if you want to check out the directory, if you're already on it, or if you're thinking about getting on it, you can see it if you go over to thelifestorycoach.com and click on the link at the top that says find a life story professional. And now it's time for today's interview with Gwen Hernandez. Hi, guys. A quick introduction to today's guest. Gwen Hernandez was a manufacturing engineer and programmer before she turned to writing romantic suspense novels. She's also the author of Scrivener for Dummies and Productivity Tools for Writers. And she teaches Scrivener to writers all over the world in person and through her website, ScrivenerClasses.com. Gwen, you definitely sound like the go-to person for us to talk to. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You actually had a career as an engineer and a programmer before you started writing. So when you did get into writing, did you use Scrivener right from the get-go or were you using a word processor? Uh, I was using Word initially. Um, 
but a friend introduced me to Scrivener pretty early on the, in the process. So um, probably within a few months of, of starting writing, I started using Scrivener and it was, it was one of those things I looked at it, not sure why I would need it. And then immediately fell in love. <laughs> so. How did it change things for you? What was the difference in your process when you started using Scrivener as opposed to using Word? The biggest thing was kind of being able to see my entire manuscript broken up into its smaller pieces much more easily. Um, I think that's one thing that Scrivener really excels at helping you do. So whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, you know, you can um, divide your work up into chapters or scenes or sections, whatever kind of makes sense to you. And um, because it has what's called a binder, like a little table of contents down the left-hand side, you can see all the different parts of your story, um, click between them, um, you can even color code them and, and get all fancy with it and stuff. But it just really um, made it feel more manageable to me instead of just having this huge long document that's, you know, 60, 80,000 words or whatever that I'm scrolling through trying to figure out where I am. And if I'm trying to move in between, you know, sections or copy and paste or, you know, anything like that, it just, it felt very overwhelming. And so this, to me, Scrivener makes it feel a lot more manageable and accessible, and I can kind of see it build as I go along. Well, and something that I find really helpful with the binder, so the the binder, like you said, that's on the, le- it's on the left-hand side, if you have Scrivener, the program, um, and it looks like a table of contents that shows you the little icons for whatever folders you have and whatever documents you have within those folders, and you can set up the hierarchy however you want. But what I found it very helpful for um, Scrivener in general is that when I have an interview, so, you know, the way that I work is I do a series of interviews with a storyteller and they're always circling back to stories that they've already talked about or topics that they've already covered, but they're adding new information. And when I was working in pages, it was, it was mind bogglingly frustrating to try to find, um, to find the sections where they already talked about something. Because like you said, it's, you know, you can end up with thousands of words. Um, and it's, it's not like finding a needle in a haystack, but it can still be pretty frustrating. And to have that visual over on the binder and see very clearly, because I don't use chapter names, I actually have them just very, um, uh, very descriptive. They're not imaginative titles for the the document names and the chapter names. It's just my help, uh, a help to me to see where I have something where we've already addressed it. Um, so that that was something that helped me a lot. Now you mentioned color coding. How do you use that? Currently, uh, for fiction, I use it for um, keeping track of point of view characters. So. If, if each scene is in a different person's point of view, I will color code by that. Um, I also find it really helpful in sort of the writing and revision process to keep track of where I am in the process. Like um, I can color code like green for sections that are finished, um, you know, yellow for something that needs more work or whether it's been to the editor or the proofreader and then I've made the changes. You know, so there's a lot of different ways you could use it. Um, you could color code by era, like if you ha- were approaching a story from, you know, different decades, for example, or um, different um, characters within a, a story, like since you're talking about life stories, maybe if they were addressing you know, all these things are about my father and all these things are about my children or I pretty much anything you can think of. But those are some of the ways that I've encountered or used it myself. 
And then why don't you explain to the listeners when we talk about color coding, what does that mean? That's, um, or what does it look like visually? Okay, so there's a couple different ways to apply it. Um, once you apply this label or tag to a document or a folder, um, you can turn on colors in a couple different ways. But the one I use the most is where you color the icon. So for every document, you know, you have a little text document icon that you can see all throughout the program. And um, so in the binder, if you have the colors turned on in the in the icons, then you'll your list will have all these little colored pieces of paper all the way down the line. Um, and you can also do like a, a dot of color out to the side or a whole bar of color across the side. So there's, and you can color code um, also the index card that goes with each document. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's a couple different ways to do it, but in the binder in general, it's either the icons or like a dot or a bar. I actually didn't realize that you could use a dot of color. I've only seen it where it goes all the way across. Um uh, but but one thing that I do is I use separate colors for the draft um, documents. So actually, what's what's part of the manuscript, um, the book that I'm writing for for the storyteller, and then different colors for um, the interview transcripts, and then different colors uh, depending on what stage I'm in. So if I've finished with a an interview transcript, I've gotten all of the material into the draft, then I change the color to to something else so that I know it's done and I don't have to worry about it anymore. And that's been very helpful for me too. And I don't even consider myself a very visual person, but you know, when you're juggling for any of us, you know, for you writing your fiction or nonfiction for all of us writing our life story uh, books, or, or even if we're using this as sort of a project management system for, um, for doing videos or audios, um, you know, we have a lot of material to juggle. And that was, I think that was probably the biggest thing for me with Scrivener because it's really, uh, you know, we kind of jumped into how to use it, but how would you describe it? Like, what is the difference between, I mean, I know sort of intuitively what the difference is between it and a, um, a word processing program, but you can probably describe it better than I can. <laughs> um, I like to think of it as project man- a project manager for a book. So each, you know, each file is a project for a whole manuscript. And because it can contain both the writing and then all of the supporting mater- materials for the writing as well. Um, and like we said, you can break it up in the binder, color code it, tag it, label it, add notes. You know, there's so much you can do that takes it beyond the realm of just a place where you write on a piece of paper um, or a virtual piece of paper. So, you know, while Word is really great for um, business writing and general writing and stuff, Scrivener is built for writers, especially those doing longer form writing, where it's more of a project where you have all these bits and pieces to it, and you need to organize it. Um, so you don't know if there's a, a word for that. They just call it writing software instead of word processor. But um, it really excels at just helping you keep everything organized and in control. Right. And um, you can put basically anything that can be digitized can go into a project, not necessarily in the draft or the manuscript folder, but you can create a folder outside of that and you can put in audio. I don't, can you put in video? I'm not sure about that. I know you can put in images. You can put in audio clips. Um, you can put in PDFs. Right. You should be able to put in a video file. You may not be able to view it in Scrivener itself, but if you were to double click on it, Scrivener would just open the video viewer. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how you use it. If you are going to be doing, um, let's let's say you're going to start on a nonfiction book. Um 
you open a Scrivener project and then what do you do? <laughs> um, it depends on how much planning I've done. So for example, with Scrivener for Dummies, you know, I had to submit an outline. So I kind of had a good idea of what all my chapters were going to be um, called, what they were going to be about and the order and all that stuff. So in that case, I would probably create the whole out. Well, I did. I created the whole outline and, um, and then went back and started filling it in with, with the actual words. Um, and then that's where the color coding came in handy is, you know, which ones had I started working on, which ones had I not. When you say that you started the outline, do you mean that you actually opened up documents and named them um, according to what was going to be the content that you were going to write about? Exactly. I created a new document for each section, um, gave it a name, you know, this might be uh, chapter one introduction to Scrivener or something like that. And um, that way I knew what all the pieces were I had to fill in. And then I made notes. So there's another section that can be opened on the right hand side called the inspector. And you have a couple areas there where you can leave notes for yourself, either in the synopsis where you might put in a brief, just sort of blurb of what's going to be in that section. Um, and then you also have a notes section where you can just kind of leave a whole bunch of notes for yourself. So in one or the other, you know, I would leave a little bit of, of here's what I had already planned to talk about in this section so that I don't forget. And that's kind of how I went through and did that. And then for fiction, I am really horrible at, at plotting, even though I'm like this super left brain person who can't plot books. So, um, Basically, well, that's unusual, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it may not actually be as unusual as we think. I'm starting to learn f from friends and stuff, but um, it seems weird to me because I just assumed I would be a plotter. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you have an engineering background it, um, and you're, you're you're organized enough to write a whole dummies book for Scrivener, I mean that that yeah, that surprises me. So, how do you use it then if you're not a plotter? You're, so you're not going in and, and putting in the chapters and putting in the plot points. Right. So um, I will put down any notes that I have or ideas that I have on, you know, usually I have a couple of like sparks of scenes or like a premise that I'm sort of having fun with or whatever and um, make notes on that. And then I'll literally just create a document and it'll be like the first scene and I'll just start writing. Um, and then when I get to the end of that scene, I'll create a new do another document and start writing the next scene. And I'm kind of like, as I get to the end, I kind of have an idea of what needs to come next you know, and so I'm always just sort of like some people call it writing into the mist or whatever, pantsing, but, you know, where you, you always just see enough to get down the road, but you don't know mm -hmm. what's going to come, you know, a mile down. So it's, it's kind of like that. I know what type of, um, you know, I know story structure. And so I know what types of scenes I need to be writing toward, but I, <laughs> they really, the ideas don't really come to me unless I'm consistently writing. So mm -hmm. after you've done your first draft or, or even while you're in the midst of doing your first draft, are you using any of the Scrivener tools, like maybe the binder, that visual binder on the left-hand side, are you using that to help you with your structure? I mean, can you see, you know, that, that you have the climax coming or that you've, um, you know, the inciting incident still needs to be written or, or do you just really use it as a, as a blank notebook at that process, at that point in the process? Um, it's kind of evolved through that. So earlier on when I, when structure wasn't as embedded in my brain, um, I would like explicitly, <laughs> you know, tag, tag scenes or, or mark them in some way as being a, in a certain part of the structure. Um, I tend to do that less now because I, I just kind of have an instinct for where, where I'm headed. Um, but it still helps me to look at the binder and see, 
did I, did I hit the midpoint hard? You know, is it clear? Um, I can just kind of glance at it and, and see where I am. And, and I, I use word count and things like that also to help me figure out if I'm far enough along to really be at like the midpoint or the, you know, climax or whatever. Well, okay. So when you say that you would tag them, um, how how would you just like really the, the nuts and bolts of it, how would you tag something like, so say that you wanted to tag a scene as being your midpoint, is that using a color code or, or what would you do? So it depends. Um, because I'm usually using color coding for point of view, I'll, I'll try to find something else. So I might use the status. Um, most recently, I was using what's called keywords. Um, and the nice thing about keywords is you can apply multiple keywords to a single document, um, which you can't do with label or status. So uh, with a, I found that I had like maybe um, multiple things going on in one scene, right? So it might it might be part of the inciting incident and then part of the, you know, the next thing, um, coming, you know, coming, <laughs> coming up in the same document. And so I can't just give it one value. Um, right. Exactly. Okay. So, so keywords is something I think that I tried using early on when I was first started using Scrivener and I think I messed some, some things up. So I've been a little bit hesitant to try again, but that seems to me like it could be a godsend for anybody who does life story writing, because like I said, we're taking other people's words that we're getting from the transcripts of the interviews and then we're fitting it into the proper place. So if you need to go back and find where you've already, um, started a topic, I, I could see how the keywords would really help, but I have no idea how to use them. Can you, can you talk about that? Just, or is it complicated? It's, it's actually not too hard. And I have a bunch of blog posts on my GwenHernandez.com website too, that, um, might help people getting started. But, um, basically there's keywords. Um, there's just a, a project keywords window, and you can just add as many keywords as you want. And then you can drag a keyword on top of any document in the binder or um, into its keywords pane in the inspector, and then it's applied. So, and then you can just, if you need to remove it, you go to the keywords pane in the inspector, click the keyword and hit the minus button. So it's it's not that hard um, once you you know understand it, but there, there's just, Scrivener gives you so many ways to apply what they call metadata, you know, all these little tags and, and information about the document you're working on. Um, and it, it gives you an alternative to having to organize it physically into folders by topic, because you may have, you know, if I'm organizing a book um, chronologically, then I need to find another way to keep track of other things like the characters or the topics or whatever it is. So that's where all these other label and status and keywords um, can come in and be helpful. And then they also give you a way to search for those things later. So you can use project search to look specifically for keywords with this value or, you know, label with this value. Um, Oh, I am so excited. I had no idea that existed. (laughs) Yeah. And you can even save those searches as dynamic searches so that every time you run it, it just kind of pulls in anything that's been added and takes out anything that was removed. Um, so it's always up to date. So some people even use it for like a to-do list or, you know, to, you know, you could look for all of your um, documents that still had a certain status that you needed to work on and it would just pull up a list of those things. Like so that. instead so, of using, yeah. because in the inspector and I, I don't really use the status, I use labels in the inspector, but status, mm-hmm. it comes, well, I have a, I have a Scrivener program open right now. So it comes preloaded with a few different status um, titles. So to-do, first draft, revised draft. 
I don't really use those, but instead of instead, what you're saying is with the keyword, since you can apply multiple keywords, you can say um, needs to be rewritten, um, need to add material, or you could have a series of things in any given document. And then when you pull up any one of those keywords, all of the documents with that keyword will come, come up. Yes, exactly. And just a a point too, is that in label and status, you can change those um, values that show up on that list. So that's how I use it for like for my characters. I literally name the values, you know, Jeff, Tara, whatever. So, mm, mm-hmm. right. Um, and you can do the same with status and you don't even have to call it status. You can name it something else. So I could rename um, label to point of view and I could rename status to, you know, story structure or element or something like that, and then give them the, fa- the values I want. And that that's all just under the project settings. So you can really, um, reorder everything to fit your process. Right. And I think the reason that I never really used status much was because I was using labels and I know how to make the labels um, different colors and have that show up in the binder, but uh, you can't have, so I'm assuming that you cannot have different colors for status. Is that right? Correct. Status doesn't have any color associated with it and it's um, less visible than the label. So label is the most visible um, piece of metadata. And so it's the one I try to, I encourage people to use for the thing that is most important for them to be able to see at a glance. And then status and keywords, they kind of move down the line in terms of visibility. Um, status, you can see as a watermark in the corkboard. So if you were using the corkboard to sort of storyboard or move things around, um, you can have it turned on in there. And then you can see all of your metadata laid out in the outline view. So if you were to click on a folder, like your draft folder, for example, and um, go to the outline view, which is under view outline, you can choose which columns you want to see across the top. So you could have your your label and your status and your keywords all listed there and you'd be able to see everything. Okay. And just to give, in case listeners have not ever seen Scrivener open, can mm-hmm. you just explain the three view modes? Um, it, so sure. we've got the binder on one side, we've got the inspector on one side, but really the main, um, do they call it the editor window? I think yes. in the middle, right. And that is the one that you can change. So can you talk a little bit about those three different types, those three modes? Sure. Um, so your main view in the middle is generally just going to be document view. And that's, you know, when you click on a document, you see the contents or the blank piece of paper, whatever it is. Um, and that's where you write and edit and all that. Um, the three uh, views are actually group view modes. And so those are what um, what happens if you click on either a folder or multiple documents, if you've selected multiple documents in the binder. And so um the default is usually the corkboard. And so if you were to click on a folder, the corkboard would show you the, the synopsis card, index card, for every document at the top level of that folder. And that literally looks like an index card, like the kinds that mm-hmm. we had to use when we were in middle school and we had to do a, a research paper at the library. They told us to take your, a stack of index cards, right? Exactly. And that's where you can have the watermarks turned on to show your status and um, the The label colors will show up and you can turn on the keyword colors so that they show up down the side as well. So um, you can get a lot of information in there if you can keep track of what all your colors mean. (laughs) Um, So the other two views are, one, it's basically just multiple document view that that they call scrivenings, just to be original. 
And so if you were to click on a folder and choose Scrivening's view, it would just give you a continuous um, document view of all of your documents sort of smushed together as one long. It, all of the documents within that one folder. So if you have a Correct. if you have your folders that are divided up by chapters, then let's say you have you know the high school cha- chapter on high school. So you would mm-hmm. see all of the different sections or all of the individual documents in that one chapter. Okay, right. Gotcha. Yeah, as one long as if they were in one long document with little uh, dashed lines for dividers. Um, mm-hmm. So if you click on the the draft or manuscript folder, you can see your whole manuscript as it is at that moment um, from start to finish, similar to how you would see it in Word. And then um, the final view that you have is the outline view, which I mentioned before. So it's basically like an expanded binder that shows where you can add additional columns to show the metadata associated with that, um, with each of your documents. And I've I've played around with the um, the outline view, and I have to tell you, it scares me. <laughs> it just I don't know. There's it's all so uh, well. I'm I'm scared to death also of spreadsheets too. So I think it, it triggers that part of my brain. Like I don't know how to deal with this, but um, right. I'm you know I, I I don't do very much with the corkboard just because I find that I get confused quickly. Um, the the binder for me is really where the organizational um, crutch comes in. You know where mm-hmm. it, it's really helping me with my organization. Well. Um, so what I'd like to talk about too is, you know, we, we're using this as a, um, you know, a, a big catch-all for everything that goes in one book. I love the way you describe it, by the way, that a project manager for, for a book. Um, but it also has some tools in it that are really good for productivity. And I, I would like for you to talk about that. I, so there's, for, for one thing, there's the, um, there are the target word counts. Do you mm-hmm. use those? And can you describe how you do? I use them constantly. I just posted to my social media how I did today because <laughs> I was so excited. Oh. Um, yeah, so under project targets, um, I think it's under project show project targets, it's a little uh, window that will show you how many words you've written um, in the manuscript or draft folder, and as well as how many words you've written today within that mm-hmm. folder. Um, and then you can set targets for yourself. So I had set a target of 60,000 words for this manuscript. I really want it to be longer, but I was trying to like <laughs> push myself. And um, and then I had a daily, t- daily session target of 1,500 words. So um, what it does is shows you a little progress bar toward each of those goals um, that you can look at just to kind of see how you're doing. So I find it motivating if I'm really close to, you know, say my 1500 word goal for the day, I'm like, oh, I can, I can push through and get a few more words. And then I usually go over, you know, so. Oh, yeah, that's that. It's, it's a great little mind game that you play with yourself when you use these kinds of things. And it's, um, I'm all for that. (laughs) And then isn't there a way to actually have it by a date where you have a, where you have a a date as the deadline? Yes. Um, Am I remembering that correctly? Okay. So how does that part work? So I believe that's Mac only right now still, but it should be coming um, to the Windows version this you know later this year. So you can basically just go in to the options and you tell it uh, what date you'd like to be finished. You can click on which days of the week you work if it's less than seven days a week. Um, so that way it'll only say calculate the four days that you normally write. And, um, and basically it'll back that all out um, based on your 
overall goal and tell you how many words you need to write per day in order to meet that deadline. Mm, That's great. So that's really good for people who um, maybe are working um, on a contract who, you know, maybe they're offering their client a um, whatever, a 50,000 word life story or a 35,000 word life story. Mm -hmm. And um, they know that they have, they've promised it by a certain time, you can put all of that in and you can just make sure that you're getting the work done each day that you need to get done. Right. That has got to be such a relief because that's one of the things that I suffer from. And I know a lot of life story writers do too, is this feeling like your work isn't done until you're giving them the book, but obviously you can't just you can't just do it all in one sitting. And, and so there's always this, um, at least for me, there's always this thing over, you know, hanging over my head, like you, you need to right. do more. Well, how come you're not further along? Um, and I've never actually thought of trying to divide it up by word count. Um, I don't know ahead of time how long a book's going to be, but you can certainly make some guesses. Um, right. and, and that would probably, that would probably be a long, go a long way in managing sort of the fear factor and the, you know, that nervousness of, of, am I doing enough? Am I working long enough? Am I giving th- them drafts on a, um, on a timely basis? Right. And I find that for me, if I've set a goal, say 1500 words a day and I hit it, then I can go home and not feel like, oh, I still should be writing because I, I did, I met my goal today. So I'm on target and, you know, so it, it just kind of helps, um, make it so you're not constantly in this, like, oh, I should be writing, but, oh, I'm writing, I should be doing something else, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> so right, right. It's like sending which, office hours for yourself, you know, which I also do, but. Um, oh, you do. Helps. Good for you. <laughs> well, I actually, I, I work at a co-working space, um, which I just started doing early last year. And it's um, helped me a lot because then I go to work, I'm at work. When I leave work, I'm at home and I don't really, you know, do a lot of crossover, which is very helpful. Yeah, I, I worked at a co-working office for about a year and a half, and I really liked it until I didn't anymore because I thought, right. okay, I don't want to be going to the same place every day. I, I do like the variety of, you know, maybe going to a coffee shop. Uh, I obviously spent a lot of time working at home in my office. And when I went, um, one day I went on a Sunday and I got into the co-working office and it was empty and I thought, oh good, it's empty. And I thought, okay, this is just silly. The only reason I was coming here was to be amongst other people and, you know, <laughs> and then I'm excited to find it empty. So, so I went back to just working from my office at home. Right. Uh, um, now, do you ever use, talking about productivity, do you ever use the, um, I think they call it the composition mode where everything else gets blacked out basically, except for the, the, you know, the virtual piece of paper that you're working on? Yes, all the time. That's where I spend most of my time, both writing and revising. And um, what I like about it is you can change the background colors, you can change the paper and text color. So if you're in Scrivener 3 for Mac, for example, they changed it so it automatically comes up in like a dark mode view. But if you don't like that, you can change all of it. Um, and you can also add a background image. So sometimes I just have something on there that I find like soothing and comfortable that makes me happy to write. Um Sometimes I have something in there that like immerses me in the setting of the book I'm working on, like a jungle or something like that. Um, so there's lots of different options for that. But it's nice because it, yeah, it just basically the basic version just blacks out everything except your piece of paper. And um, and that's it. <laughs> so you just don't have all the distractions of the, you know, because some people find the binder and the inspector and all these other little parts kind of visually either stressful or distracting or whatever. And this kind of just gets rid of all that and keeps it very clean. 
or or sometimes those uh, you know the binder and the inspector like come out and play <laughs> come and explore and see what we could do for you and, and that can be yeah that can be fun but very distracting okay in the in the um composition mode um you're also that also blacks out all of your desktop icons and everything right yes okay yeah so it truly is just what you're working on in front of you with nothing else there right it's sort of like a full screen mode enhanced. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to try that. I have not tried working in that mode, but I'm not quite sure if it would work for me anyways, because I'm constantly going back between the binder and the editor um, just because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm going back and I'm looking through the, um, I'm working on the transcript, uh, migrating information that the, that the storytellers told me from the transcript into the draft. Now, um, I almost always have two windows open in the editor. So mm-hmm. um, you can you can line them up side by side or one over the other. I always have them on side by side. Do you know if you can have the two open if you're in composition mode? No, you can't. So that's one oh. limitation is comp- composition mode does not allow you to do the split screen, um, okay. which I also use a lot if I'm if I'm in a stage where I'm having to refer back to earlier scenes or to some of my research or maybe a picture of something that I want to describe. So I definitely use, um, and I even like, I keep a little document that I call productivity where I just keep track of what I did every day on that project. And so um, I use a split screen (laughs) to open that document. And so then when I go back to the next day, I can write my start time and then the wherever I was working is just kind of right there next to it. And then I go back to regular screen and start working oh. in that scene. So, I mean, Scrivener always returns to where you were, but if I switch to productivity, then when I open it up, that's where it has me. So gotcha. it just kind of helps me keep, just keep them, especially if I'm not working at the end, you know, like at the very last scene, if I was halfway back and I was doing revisions or something. So. Okay. Well, and then, um, you teach Scrivener. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you you know your stuff. Um, when people come to you and um, they're brand new to Scrivener, what? Because I think probably a lot of the listeners um, don't have it yet, and maybe have never heard of it, or maybe have um, been considering using it, but they haven't decided yet. So, um, and I know a lot of people are a little afraid. They think that there's a big learning curve. I didn't happen to think there was. Um, I think that you can learn it as you go along. You know, you can use it in a very basic kind of way, and then as you as needs arrives. You can go in Google and usually Gwen Hernandez comes up as, as how to do something uh, when you're Googling how to do something with Scrivener. But um, if with all of the students that you see that are brand new to it, what are some of the biggest challenges um, that they find? What are what are some of the, you know, the walls that they hit or the reason that they reach out to you in particular to uh, to learn it? Sure. I think the majority of people just get intimidated and overwhelmed because, Probably two reasons. One, it's more than just the blank piece of paper that it, that you get in Word, right? Which is really obvious. You just start typing and you keep going until you're done. And that's it. Um, so Scrivener is more than that because otherwise, what would be the point? <laughs> um, but then people see that and they get intimidated and they're not sure if they're doing it wrong, which there really isn't a wrong way. I mean, some things will make your life easier, but for the most part, there's not a, a wrong way to, to set things up in Scrivener. Um, it's whatever works for you and it's super flexible. Um, so I think people get intimidated and they also, they really, 
I think with Scrivener, it's just that if you've done any research on it and you look at all the great features it has, you want to know them all right now. And, mm. and <laughs> so they're like, I want to be able to do all the stuff and I don't know how to do any of it. It's really hard. And it's not that it's hard. It's just maybe not intuitive because it's, it's new and hasn't been available to you before. And so there's nothing to build on in the same way, you know, other than the writing part, all of the extra features are just something new. Um, so I usually try to introduce people to one, just the general interface and what the parts do. And then I just try to show them some of what I think are the most useful features and remind them that they don't have to memorize them all or remember how to learn them all immediately. I just want them to know that they're there so that later when they're trying to do something like, gosh, it'd be really great if I could just color code my documents by whatever, they'll know they can. And then they just have to go back and look it up, you know, because they know it exists. So it's half the battle is just knowing what you can do and maybe having seen it before. So it doesn't seem so scary because when Gwen showed it to you, it was only like three steps, you know, or whatever. So something I I think we haven't mentioned yet is that um, you don't have to remember to save anything either. So, you know, you were saying it's kind of it's kind of foolproof, um, it, especially in that respect. You know, you can do all kinds of typing. It automatic. I don't know how it works. It's some sort of magic that goes on in the background, but it's <laughs> automatically saving on a very regular basis for you. So you might not know how to use a feature, but you're not going to lose any of the uh, any of the content that you've created. Correct, and it also every time you close your project, it automatically creates a backup copy. So you have both the working copy that's being constantly updated as you work. And then when you close it at the end of the day, um, you know, that's saved, obviously, but then you have a a backup copy. So if tomorrow you open it up and you do something, somehow do something really stupid that you can't undo, which is actually harder than people think, but um, just say, (laughs) you you can go back to the backup file from yesterday and recover what you lost. And then they have the snapshot feature where you can, if you're working within a document and you're, you know that you are going to do some edits, but you're not quite sure if they're going to make it better or worse, then you can take a snapshot and you can go right back to what it looked like right before you did all of those edits. I I find that very helpful too. Yeah. And snapshots make me feel more confident about making changes because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm getting rid of something really good, but it doesn't fit anymore. But what if I want to use it later? You know, then it's in the snapshot. So I can always go back and pilfer out that conversation or that description and paste it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So um, even if you're not going to roll back, you may want to go grab bits and pieces. Um, And the snapshots are now searchable in Scrivener 3. So that's a nice feature that makes them even more useful. Oh, good. Well, I I bought Scrivener three today because I thought I really, you know, if I'm going to be talking about this, I need to be most, I need to be more familiar with the with the newest version. And then I realized that my Mac is not. Um, I have I'm on a um, El Capitan, so it's Mac ten point okay. eleven, and I need ten point twelve. And my my computer, both my laptop and my desktop, are so old that I'm really afraid that they will both break if I ask them to up update again. So I have to figure out what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> um, but even, you know, Scrivener 2, I have loved, I'm sure Scrivener 3, I will love just as much. And just to make it clear for everybody, it is available for Windows and for Mac users. Yes. And there's some differences, but it sounds like there's overall, both are are pretty comparable. Is that correct? Yeah, the core of them is has been the same for the uh, nine years I've been using it, but you know they just keep adding little 
extra features or, or slightly different, you know, twists on a feature that enhance it or something like that. So the biggest change has been to um, the compile feature, which is how you, you know, smoosh all your work back into a, like a Word document or something when you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been the biggest change in version three. But, you know, overall, the core of Scrivener is is the same. You know, the editor, the binder, the inspector, and the main things that you can do in there have always been as they are. So, Okay, very good. Well, if people want to find you or your classes or your books, where do they go? Um, you can find me and all of my stuff at GwenHernandez.com. Excellent. Nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you said that you just started a new class on the compile. Is that right? On the compiler? Yeah, that just came out I don't know, a couple months ago is um, for Scrivener 3, because like I said, that was a big change. So a lot of people who knew how to do it in Scrivener 2 just kind of felt a little overwhelmed by the update. But they're trying to make it easier and a little bit more visual because it's it's not a very visual process. It's a much more rules-based process. So it's super powerful, but a little bit can be a little, the most overwhelming part of Scrivener is compile and you know, so there's some easy ways to just get your work out. So you don't have to learn it if you don't want to. You can just get it out to Word and then work on it there. But um, for people like me who are, you know, we're trying to create EPUBs and and Amazon Kindle Mobies and, you know, PDFs for print on demand and all that kind of stuff, you can do all that. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll second that. It, it took me quite a while to um, figure out how to use the compile. Is it compile or compiler? <laughs> Uh, I can't remember. The function is compile, but we call it the compiler. Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's like you said, I think it probably gets a little more difficult if you're trying to do ebooks and things like that. And for probably for most of us who work in the life story profession, we're not so interested in that because almost everybody, I think everybody that I know that, that does books um, for uh, life story clients, they want to include um, photos. So it, you have to, you're not going to use Scrivener for as a layout program. Um, Correct. This is just for getting the manuscript ready and finishing the manuscript and and then you're going to export it to InDesign or even better, you're going to send it off to a book designer. So, well, Gwen, this was so helpful. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. I hope that this has helped. I hope it's given you some ideas that you can use for your own life story business, whether it's using the same software or making tweaks to the system that you already use. And if you do decide to use Scrivener, Gwen Hernandez has graciously offered us a 20% discount off of any of her Scrivener classes. If you sign up, go to her website. I'll have links to this in the show notes of of today's episode. So that's episode 44 on thelifestorycoach.com. Or you can go straight over to her website, which is gwenhernandez.com. When you sign up for any of her Scrivener classes, enter life story, that's all one word, no spaces, life story in the space for the coupon code, and you'll automatically receive a 20% discount. And because I know that a lot of you are thinking to Scrivener, again, I am going to be holding this contest for a free Scrivener program. It retails at, I believe, $45. um, And that's not a subscription base. Once you own it, you own it for good. So if you want to enter that contest, leave me a review on iTunes and then send me an email to amy at thelifestorycoach.com. And in the subject line, 
put something like, I reviewed the podcast. You don't need to tell me what the review was. They're all anonymous. And I will believe you if you tell me that you reviewed it. I'm going to take your word for it. And then your name will go in for the drawing for the free Scrivener program. I'll make sure that you, whoever wins gets either the Mac version or the PC version, depending on what kind of computer they use. So easy peasy, write a review, send me an email telling me that you did so. And then in a month or so, I'm not sure how long I will wait, but I will um, I will announce it within the next probably three or so episodes who the winner was. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, go out and save someone's story. 